Next week, no regrets. Saturday morning, men, I hope you'll sign up and uh, join me next Saturday. And we got a lot of guys going. We got teenagers going. We got old guys going. Uh, we got all ages. And you will probably have regrets if you don't go. So think about that. Bridge kids, you are dismissed. It occurs to me that maybe the room is a little bit out of balance. Like, there, you know, there's so much weight in the back of the room, and we have, it's just, there's not enough people up here. I guess it must be me. We started a brief series called Intentional Living for 2020. We talked about having the mind of Christ. We talked about how to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, today we're going to talk about another subject that I'm going to introduce in just a minute. Um, in 2019, the British Army launched a controversial recruiting campaign targeting millennials, specifically Gen Z, ages 16 to 25. Because British troops have been shrinking in recent years, the Army has been very aggressive in their recruiting techniques. The campaign ads are designed to connect with young people looking for a job with purpose. The ads start with an insult about millennials that are designed to stir up controversy. Uh, we have, I think we have some pictures of those ads. So here's an example. They're calling some of the millennials snowflakes because they're so, some of them are so sensitive about criticism. I think that's probably true of every generation. But they're calling some of the millennials snowflakes. And it says, your army needs you and your compassion. Okay, next slide. Here's a couple of them. For binge gamers... You know, those people who stay up all night to play games. And the army says, the, your army needs you and your drive to keep going. The other one, phone zombies. Your army needs you and your focus. You can stare at your phones all day long. The army has a job for you, okay? Another slide. Me, 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 millennials. Your army needs you and your self-belief. There's another one called Class Clowns. Your army needs you and your spirit. The ads and posters stirred up criticism on every front, and that was just what they were designed to do. The very first month, the website traffic had increased 93%. Applications for recruitment increased 71%. 2019 proved to be the highest number of recruits in over a decade, numbering in the tens of thousands. The army focused on perceived weaknesses and translated them into strengths for their mission. In the army, it takes all kinds of people to serve in areas where they have strengths. And that was the purpose of training in the army. The church is like that. Maybe not like the army entirely, but the church is like that. It takes all kinds of people to serve in areas where they have strengths. God has so designed the church 
to have all kinds of people with all kinds of abilities to come together to serve, to uh, serve together on mission, to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. People have strengths. God has given people strengths in the church, special abilities, and we call them spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. So uh, if you have an, a program, uh, in, if you have an outline in your program, you can, you can follow. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is what you should know about spiritual gifts. This is kind of spiritual gifts 101. For some of you, this is entirely new. For some of you, boy, you've known this for the past 30 years. What you should know about spiritual gifts. I'm going to give a simple definition. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service in building up the body of Christ. Special ability, it's God-given, and it is for service, and it is for the body of Christ. Secondly, each believer has at least one spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. You may have several spiritual gifts. We, we often give spiritual gift inventories to help us discover spirit, our spiritual gifts. And we have strengths in several areas that relate to what is called spiritual gifts. Now, we come to uh, each believer has at least one spiritual gift. We come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and Paul begins this whole section, chapter 12. Actually, 12, 13, and 14 in 1 Corinthians is about spiritual gifts and sometimes the misuse of spiritual gifts. But he begins chapter 12 by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts. New topic for Paul, and so he's going to address it. And we come to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, and he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Spiritual gifts are given to each one, to each believer in Christ. Doesn't make any difference who you are, male or female. There's no, no distinctions about ethnicity. Each believer in Christ has a spiritual gift. Each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And that is a reference back to spiritual gifts, chapter 12, verse 1. And it is for the common good. He's talking about the good of the body of Christ, the church. Ephesians 4, verse 7 is similar. The context in Ephesians 4 is going to be spiritual gifts, verses 11 and 12. That's where this is going. And Paul writes, but to each one of us, grace, which is the word in Greek, charis, and, and gifts in Greek is charisma, uh, charismata, charismatic. English comes from that concept. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he's talking about spiritual gifts. And, 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 it's been, and spiritual gifts have been given as Jesus, the head of the church, has determined, has apportioned it, has measured it out. Okay, so each believer, we all have spiritual gifts. Next, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts as he determines. It's quite similar to Ephesians verse 7, but very specific. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts as he determines. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. 
All these are the work, referring to spiritual gifts, of one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. It's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts. He is the one who determines what gifts are given to who. And so what the, the implications there for us are we don't determine our gifts. We don't get to pick our gifts. God gives those gifts to us. Um, so a spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service in the building up of the body of Christ. As we serve on our mission to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Jesus. A couple of words on what a spiritual gift is not. What a spiritual gift is not. First of all, it's not a place. It's not a position, and it's not an office. It's not a place. So I can't say I'm gifted uh, to serve in Eau Claire. I can't say I'm gifted to serve in Turkey. Now, God may call me to an area, a place of ministry, but that's not the gift. God uses our gifts in different places. Um, it's not a particular age group. A person may have the gift of teaching. Um, by the way, as a brand new follower of Christ, when I went to seminary, we got involved in a church, and right away we both wanted to serve, and so we agreed to serve and teach first graders. I love to teach the Bible. I thought this would be fun to serve with Sue and teach first grade. And the first thing I did when I got a chance to do my part in teaching the kids, we were talking about Abraham, the first thing I did was I drew a timeline. <laughs> it never crossed my mind that first graders wouldn't understand. And Sue just got up and said, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but see, it's not, you can have the gift of teaching without having uh, focused on an age. Now, yes, you can have strengths working with youth, you can have strengths working with kids, you can have strengths working, working with adults, but that's not the spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is separate from strengths in a certain area. Um... Oh, I forgot to explain, too. It's not a position. It's not about... Just because somebody's a pastor and they get paid as a pastor, that doesn't mean they have a spiritual gift of pastoring or pastor-teacher. They could. Some pastors don't have the gift of pastor-teacher. It's not an office, whatever you want to call it. It's not an office. The spiritual gift is a special ability. Uh, an office in the church might be elder, could be a deacon or a deaconess, or whatever else, director, could be an office, but that's not a spiritual gift, okay? Then it's not a particular age group. And the third thing here is it's not a natural ability like music, carpentry, or mechanical aptitude. Now, you have natural abilities. Your natural abilities are God-given, and they can be used to serve Jesus and his church for the glory of God. All I'm saying is they are not spiritual gifts. And 
my whole reasoning here is, as, and, I, and I just need to say this up front, as I understand spiritual gifts, I can only speak with authority about spiritual gifts according to what the scripture says. I can't go beyond that. Now, there, there are broad views of spiritual gifts, and I know that. There are going to be people who disagree with me, and I know that. And by the way, this is one of the things I love about the Evangelical Free Church of America, EFCA. We major on the majors, and we minor on the minors, and there are good people, godly people, who have different views about the spiritual gifts. And I'm just okay with that. Okay? I have my views. I'm glad to let you know what they are. I'm not going to go into great detail about everything there is to know about spiritual gifts. But spiritual gifts are important. They're for the church. They're to build up the church. So it's not a natural ability. Some people can have uh, very skilled in music, but they may have other gifts working through them. It's possible somebody is very gifted in music and they have the gift of teaching. And they pick songs that are very uh, biblical and they desire for people to know. That's possible. There could be another worship leader uh, who is very gifted in music and has the gift of mercy. And that comes through in their leading. Um, People can be very gifted, skilled with their hands. And uh, maybe they use them for serving. Uh, that's possible. They could, they could even have the spiritual gift of serving. We're, and we are, I haven't even des- described the gifts yet. So let me uh, keep going. So if they are not natural abilities, what are the spiritual gifts? Thanks for asking. What are the spiritual gifts? There are four lists in the New Testament of the spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul has three of the lists, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. The Apostle Peter has the other list. It's very short, 1 Peter 4. We're going to look at those quickly. First, we're going to look at the list in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. The Apostle Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, Don't get puffed up, folks, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. This is Paul's introduction to spiritual gifts, okay? Next slide. For just as each of us has one body with many members, our human bodies have many parts, many body parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so the same is true in Christ, the body of Christ, the church. So in Christ, though... Many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Quick comment before I go on to spiritual gifts. Think about this. Each of us belongs to the others in our body. There's responsibility here. We just don't get to do... I mean, if we're walking with Christ and seeking to follow Christ, we're not just going to live independently and do whatever we want because we have a relationship with the local body of Christ that we are responsible to help and to serve and to love and to bring health to that body and help that body thrive. That's not how our culture deals with church. 
You know, in our culture, we just do what we want. If we like this, we do it. If we don't like it, we don't do it. Next slide. For we have different gifts. So, so finally, we're talking about spiritual gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, according to the charis, um, if you're, this is, when he's talking about grace here, he's not talking about salvation at all. He's talking about God's favor that God gives to us beyond, and these are spiritual gifts. Uh, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. Next slide. If it is to encourage, and some of you have the gift of encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's giving, some of you have that gift, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So that's Paul's list in Romans chapter 12. Got to go through these quickly. First of all, prophecy. Prophecy is a gift to the church. And there's a lot of different definitions to this. Um, I'm primarily uh, comfortable just looking at the New Testament and seeing how the gift of prophecy is, is used. And it seems like it's used primarily for foretelling the future and speaking about future events with the authority of God. It's 100% accurate and it never fails if it's true biblical prophecy. For me, I'm not sure this is a gift that operates that way, that even exists that way today. For me, and I'm going to talk about this later, so give me a chance, I think it's a foundational gift to the church. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Because I'm going to deal with the question, in a very brief way, are all the gifts for today. The next one is uh, serving, to have, to serve, to minister, to attend to, to care for, to do what is needed up in building the church. It could be clearing the walks before a Sunday morning service. It could be making coffee. Um, it, it could be uh, setting up tables or stacking chairs. It could be taking up the offering. Those are just a few examples. Just doing, serving and accomplishing the things that need to be done. All of us are to serve. Jesus was the greatest model. He called his followers to be servants. Some of you have a spiritual gift in the area of serving. And one of the things when we're operating in the area of our spiritual gifts, we seem to have more energy, especially more energy in our gifted area than people who are not gifted in that area. And I'm going to talk about that because I think some of our, I think our spiritual gifts often have a shadow side, or we could say a dark side, where because we have this strength, we also end up with this criticism. And I'll, and I'll get to that. The next one is teaching, the ability to teach the Word of God, the ability to teach and explain biblical truth in the church, for the church. Uh, teaching can be a natural ability. You can have teachers who are public teachers and they do not have the gift of teaching. They may be good. They have a natural ability. They have a trained ability and they can teach well their subjects. They may not have the gift of teaching the Bible. And that's what the gift of teaching 
is about. It's about teaching spiritual truth so that people can understand. Okay, uh, the gift of encouragement, a God-given ability to encourage others in their walk with Christ, to build up, to support. Uh, some of you just have a way to encourage other people. You just, it's just the way you approach things. And I want to say about this, about the spiritual gifts. They function when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. They function when we are walking with Christ. If we are not walking with Christ, the spiritual gift is a zero. You can still serve. You might even be able to teach. There are a lot of things you might be able to do, but it's not going to be a God thing. It's going to be a your thing. Uh, encouragement, the ability to help and support. And there's also sort of a flip side to this, and it can be in the area of sort of a counselor, sort of a counseling. Not, uh, you can be a professional counselor and not have this gift. Um, but you don't have to have an education to have these gifts. It's, it's about the Holy Spirit given. And um, it, it's about encouragement. It's also about comfort, being able to offer comfort, to come alongside people uh, when they're hurting. The next one is giving. All of us are to give generously. All of us are to encourage. By the way, all of us are to teach. We have a responsibility to teach in our own homes. All of us are to serve. Some of us have spiritual gifts in these areas. All of us are to give generously, but some of you have the spiritual gift of giving and it's just easy. And it's one of the first things you think of is how you can be more generous. And you want to give to things. Um, the next one is leading or leadership. The ability uh, given by God to those where, uh, where the church needs... Uh, they, they have a sense to see where the church needs to go. And they're able to lead the church where the church needs to go. It could be an oversight, like an elder's role. It could be, that, and elders don't have to have the gift of leadership. It's helpful when they do. Um, it could be just leading a group. It uh, could be leading um, the greeters. Somebody who has a sense of, this is where we are. This is where we need to go. This is how we're going to get there. The next one is mercy. All of us are to show mercy, but some of you have the gift of mercy. Um, it, it might include the ability to empathize with somebody who is hurting. Um, your heart just breaks with, when somebody is in pain, when they're going through a difficult time. Um, it, it's, uh, mercy is an expression of love. And some of you are just gifted in this area. I am not, okay? It, it doesn't mean I can't, I'm not supposed to show mercy or I can't be loving. I have to work at it. Um, we're going to go on to uh, the next passage that... Paul has, and that's 1 Corinthians, 
1 Corinthians, this is uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through I got one page out of line. That's what happened to me. Um, well, let me talk about the shadow side just a minute. So when I say shadow side, the person with the gift of service, when I found just you know an observation, I've seen guys who if you told them, listen, guys, I need you to come and stack chairs in this room for six hours. Who, who could do that? And, and I'll get a group of guys, and I've, I've seen this in, in our former church, where, yeah, I can do that. And they're, they're stacking chairs one hour, two hours, three hours. They're whistling four hours. They're talking. They're having a good time. They're done it's after six hours. We had a good day. I hate to stack chairs. Um, and I'm just saying, when you're operating in an area that you're gifted in, you don't wear out easily. Um, I think one of my gifts through the years has been teaching. I find if there's a group of people through the years, and I wouldn't recommend this, but I've had periods where I have taught every night of the week, uh, during the week. And I had energy for it, because somebody needed to know something that I could help with. I didn't get tired doing that. I get tired stacking chairs. I know, see, you, right away, you think, are you lazy or what? Why don't you do your part? But see, there's a critical part, too, I want to I talk about. The critical part is somebody who has the gift of serving comes to the church, and, they, and they, they're willing to serve, and they don't see the big deal, and they wonder, why doesn't other people do this? What's the matter with you guys? Why won't you serve? And so we sometimes are critical about our area of giftedness because we don't see it in other people. We think it should be there. That's the same thing for me with teaching. I remember as a brand new follower of Christ, when I came to Christ, I loved to read the Bible. I just started reading the Bible every day. I had all kinds of questions. I just kept learning, and I, I thought it was great. I couldn't understand why Christians wouldn't read their Bible. And I found out, after being a Christian for a few months, some Christians who have been Christians for years are really pretty ignorant. Why don't they read their Bible? If they just read their Bible, they'd see it right there. And so the danger is we begin to criticize if we're not careful because we, other people don't have the same gift. Um, and I think this, the study on my part went on later till I wanted to teach and had opportunities to teach. And as painful as it was sometimes, I just wanted to get up and do it again. Um, you know, some people with the gift of encouragement, the, the shadow side might be, why doesn't anybody encourage around here? Why is everybody so negative? People who have the gift of giving, why don't people want to give? I don't understand. People who have the gift of leading, they, 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 come to a, they might come to a church and see right away, big picture, this is where we are. This is where we, if we're on mission, this is where we need to go. Here are some steps we should take. Why don't you people see that? Uh, same thing, person with the gift of administration, they come into the church, everything's a mess, everything's in chaos. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? What's the matter with you folks, you know? And so there is a dark side. Same way with the gift of mercy. It's so easy to come if you have the gift of mercy and look around and say, people are so unloving. They just don't care. So, there's no verse in the Bible that says that. 
All right, I'm jumping to 1 Corinthians, and so we're going to explain this, the list in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Um, so we start with, here's where I've been talking, now about, this, now about the gifts of the Spirit. That's the whole topic now. I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Next slide. Now, to each one, this is one we've already seen, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to the common good. So each one has a spiritual gift that's for the common good. To one, there is given through a Spirit, and here's, here's one of the gifts, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. Next slide. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. And to another, prophecy. We've already seen that one. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Next slide. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages. And still another, the interpretation of tongues or languages. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And that's the verse we've looked at as well. So I'm going to talk about the list of the ones that we haven't seen yet. The first one is wisdom. All of us need wisdom. Some have had the gift of wisdom. The ability to, to apply divine revelation. Uh, the ability to apply uh, Knowledge, scriptural truth. Uh, the next one is knowledge. And I have to say, I think this may be a foundational gift, uh, and I'll try to tell you why. I think this gift was given in the first century primarily for the church. When you think about this, Jesus died in about 33 A.D., the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Paul had, had not written any letters. Peter had not written any letters. The Apostle John had done no writing. The Gospels hadn't been written yet. And yet, there was this church who knew that Jesus died for them. I think the gift of knowledge was for those teachers in that first century church. First century church who understood the meaning and significance of the death of Christ, and they explained it to the church before Paul got it written down. That there was teaching about the death of Christ for the Christian. There was teaching about what it meant to walk with Christ. How do you follow Christ? Where did God's strength come from? Now, Paul hadn't written it all down yet, but there were spirit-empowered teachers who were teaching New Testament doctrine, the apostles' teaching, before it got all recorded for us. That's my opinion, okay? Uh, the next one is the gift of faith, the ability to trust God and His Word. And all of us are to have faith, but there are some who have the gift of faith and it's just easy for you to trust God. If God says it, it's just easy for you to trust Him. I think that was probably true of me. As a brand new follower of Christ, at the age of 25, I had been an atheist. I was skeptical about the Bible, and then I came to the Bible with an open mind, 
and found that Christ did save me and he was at work in my life and he was changing me and I wanted to know the Bible and the more I studied it, the more I understood it and it just was easy for me to believe. Maybe that's not fair. I just didn't have a... I, I rarely have a problem with God no matter how tough life gets or how crazy or chaotic it is. God is not my problem. It's just easy for me to trust him. And I don't say that to, you know, like, I'm just saying, I probably have the gift of faith, and I realize not everybody has the gift of faith, and I realize it's not that easy for everybody. Uh, the gift of healing. Perhaps a foundational gift. God has given ability to people to supernaturally and instantaneously heal people for the purpose of advancing the gospel. That's what we see in the book of Acts instantaneous, usually related to an individual. And it, I mean, God, they didn't, God didn't heal everybody in pain or with a problem in the first century. Jesus didn't heal everybody, but on special occasions. And the Jews understood the, the idea of a sign gift. They understood the, 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 the miraculous was an attention getter. It was to uh, authenticate the message and the messenger. The audience understood that in Jesus' day. And they were looking for those kinds of things. And God provided that in the early church. Now, I don't see that. I believe God heals. I believe God can heal anyone instantaneously. I believe he, can, he heals an answer to prayer, and he can do it however he wants to. I just don't see the spiritual gift the way I see it in the book of Acts. So for me, it just seems like it's a foundational gift. And if you're uncomfortable with that, it's okay with me. You can disagree with me. The next one's miraculous powers. This is one of those, it's a little bit vague and how this happens even in the book of Acts, other than there are definitely a lot of miraculous things going on in the book of Acts. Uh, we see one in Acts 13, verses 8 through 11, where um, Paul is challenged by uh, Elimus, and he's a magician, and he's protecting his leader. He doesn't want Paul to talk about the gospel, and Paul just says, you're a deceiver, and he becomes blind right on the spot. And it was an attention getter. You know, wake up, folks. This is God. It doesn't want you to mess around. Same kind of thing happened in Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. They lied, they brought deception before the church, and Peter spoke, and they both fell to the ground one at a time and died. And there was awe in the church. Great respect for God. That's what miraculous things should do, because it's not just a thing, wow, isn't that cool? It's Whoa, God just did something. Um, I happen to think it's foundational. Distinguishing of spirits, the ability to distinguish between uh, the Holy Spirit and the work of demons. Just because things are supernatural doesn't mean they're from God. Sometimes I see Christians get confused about that. Some things can be demonic, and there is the gift of distinguishing of spirits. Uh, the next one is a very controversial one, the gift of tongues or the gift of languages. When it comes to the, you know, if you don't know what tongues are, 
it sounds kind of weird. Are there like real tongues coming out or what? And uh, it refers to languages. And there were known languages. And that's what we see in the book in Acts chapter 2. God sent the Holy Spirit and the disciples, maybe 120, were able to communicate in languages that they'd never learned before. And they were praising God and they were drawing people to Jesus. And that got people's attention. And 3,000 people got saved. And the gift of tongues was given. And there are many occasions in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, where this gift is given. It's displayed. It's an attention getter. Um, Even Paul says it's a sign for the Jews, the unbeliever. And it, it was an attention getter. At least the way I see it happening in the book of Acts. And the ability to speak in a known language. King James says unknown language, and that's not what the text says, but that's how it got interpreted in 1611. It's a known language, not learned. And it's a message for the church. And it was to be, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, if you're going to speak in tongues in the church, not more than three, one at a time, no one speaks unless there's an interpreter. So it's not chaotic, it's not group stuff, it's one at a time. And it's in order because God is a God of order. Interpretation of tongues is that gift that's needed, the person that's gifted to needed to, to understand what had just been said to the church. And there had to be an ability from the Holy Spirit to say, thus says the Lord. And if you can't say, thus says the Lord, don't speak. Um, the next section is in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30. Another little bit less. Some of these are repeated. Um, and there's a couple of new ones we haven't seen yet. So 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30 says, Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. We haven't seen that gift yet. And so we're going to talk about that. Second, prophets. We've seen that gift. Third, teachers. We've seen that. Then miracles. We've seen that. Then gifts of healing. We've seen that. Helping, yes, of guidance and different kinds of tongues. Next slide. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No way. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. So why even try to have all people speak in tongues? Some churches would even teach that everybody in the church should speak in tongues. Do all interpret? No, Paul. That's Paul's whole implication here. We don't all have the gifts. So the new ones. Uh, Apostles. I think this is likely a foundational gift to establish the early church. Given by Christ, the apostles were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had a super authority in the church. They sort of had the ability to say, thus says the Lord in the church. That kind of authority because the New Testament had not been written. Um, and then some of the apostles wrote the New Testament. Um, They had direct authority from God over the church. And then there's the guidance or administration. 
This may be closely aligned with leadership. I think they're a bit separate. Uh, A God-given ability to bring order to chaos in the church, the ability to to govern, to guide, uh, to know the next steps for the church. And by the way, when it comes to committee meetings, I'd rather call them team meetings, um, you, need a, you need somebody with this gift in every meeting so that there's some order and somebody remembers to say, we said we were going to do this. Did we do it? But we've got a plan to do this. For ne- somebody has to say that in the group. Usually there is somebody uh, that reminds people what has to be done. The ability to bring order. Uh, the, the next list, very short, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. For Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Christ gave, these are spiritual gifts that he gave to the church. Why? To equip his people for works of service. To equip them, to prepare them, to outfit them to help them um, get ready to carry out ministry on mission, to equip people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we'll get there when Jesus comes. But we have a role until then. Uh, The new ones here, we already have seen apostles and prophets, the new ones here are evangelists, the ability to share the gospel effectively with great results. The ability to help other believers learn how to share the gospel. This sometimes gets overlooked, the, the last part. Some people, we all are to share the gospel. We're all to be witnesses for Christ. We're all ambassadors for Christ. We all get to speak up for Christ and share what we do know. We can't share what we don't know. But some of you are gifted in the area of sharing the gospel, finding an easy way to get into the conversation, helping somebody see what their need is. And one of the most difficult things is helping them, as we sometimes say, cross the line of faith so that they choose and they make a decision and it becomes real and they have assurance. Some of you are gifted in that area. And it's not just so we do that, but we also bring that back to the church and we help others. These are the people who should be teaching our growth groups on evangelism, and, and that's, what we have, that's what we do. We have Lee and, and uh, Kevin teach that. Um, but evangelists, very important to the church. But not all of us are to share, but there are some people who are just really effective in sharing the gospel, and we need them. And the last one is pastors and teachers or pastor-teacher. I think it's just pastor-teacher as one gift, not pastor's gift, teacher's gift. I think here it's one gift, pastor-teacher. It's it's our current NIV that says pastors and teachers. The old NIV says pastor-teacher. And... I think I, I identified this as a gift when I was in seminary because I had, to write a, I had to write a paper that said, what are your spiritual gifts? And I really wasn't clear, and that's why I had to write a paper, and that's how I think. It was by writing a paper that I determined it's probably pastor-teacher. But let me share the, the backstory here. 
after I became a follower of Christ, I wanted to study the Bible. I loved sharing it right away with, 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 as a brand new Christian with other people. And if somebody wanted to learn something that I had learned, I just loved to share it. And when I did, I found joy when I did it. And uh, I spent a lot, the, there was a pastor who was discipling me, just happened to be a pastor, but it was sort of like over a, a period of time, over a couple of years, I began to realize we're like-minded. I ask him questions that nobody else asks. I want to know all about the church. Other people don't ask those questions the same way. And I begin to see, well, just like Paul and Timothy have a kindred spirit, I sort of sense I have a kindred spirit with this pastor. And by the way, he was the one who encouraged me to go to seminary because perhaps he could see that. And uh, actually, after five years in seminary, I went back and became his first associate pastor for five years, and he continued to mentor me for those five years. So I felt I had a very good start that God had prepared for me. Uh, but I enjoy what I do. I think that's, there's a connection there with operating in an area that we're gifted in. First, uh, First Peter chapter four, verse ten and eleven, and, and this is a short passage. Peter says, "Each of you uh, use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms." So he's talking about spiritual gifts, but he's only going to identify two categories. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things. God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So it's not about us. It's not so that we get credit or praise. It's so God gets the praise. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And he just identifies speaking gifts and serving gifts. And the important thing is, be faithful. Whatever God has given you, use it. Serve God and his church by using your gifts. And it needs to be in God's strength. And it's only effective in the power of the Holy Spirit when we're walking with Christ, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, do our gifts operate and are effective. Um, if we are serving in our own strength, we are wasting the resources of God. We are wasting the spiritual gift that has been given to us. So are all the gifts for, the, for today. And this is really controversial for some, and I don't have all the answers, to be sure. Um, and I already said I like that we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. And I think whether they're for today or not is a minor issue. There are godly people who, who agree with me and disagree with me. Um, but here's just one reason why I think some of the gifts were foundational, and that's Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 21. The Apostle Paul writes, Consequently, you are no longer, he's talking to the church at Ephesus, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
And the Apostle Paul is describing the, the church. He's describing how it got started, how it was built, and how it's being built today. Jesus was the chief cornerstone. You don't have other cornerstones. He's not going to die again. He's there. The apostles were the foundation, and the prophets were the foundation. Foundation is laid, already laid right there. And now, to the Ephesians, the, the Gentile church, hundreds of miles away, as people come to faith, they're being added as living stones, according to 1 Peter, one life at a time. And this temple, this church, the, that's another metaphor for the body of Christ, is being built. And here we are in 2020, and it, we are still in the process of being built. Foundation is laid. We don't add it in in the 20th century. Now, do I think gifts have disappeared? I, the way I like to say it is, I don't think all the gifts are normative for the church. I would never stop God from doing anything he wants with his spiritual gifts. I hear fantastic stories sometimes in third world countries where they don't have the same information that we do and how God works, and I'm okay with that. When I say normative, I look at the history of the church, I look at what scripture has to say, and it just doesn't seem that he was using all the gifts all the time. And if we had all the gifts, we, there's nothing we could do about it. They would just happen. Nobody would have to try for it. All we'd have to do is walk with Christ, okay? So how do I discover my gifts? This is really quick. Ask God to show you your gifts. Some of you know what your gifts are, but you can ask God. If any of, if any of us lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask God. He can help us identify spiritual gifts, and we always want to look... At least the only way I can speak with authority is what are the lists in God's Word? Uh, know uh, what God's Word says about the gifts, to be informed. Uh, next, pay attention to your desire for service. There's no verse for this. I can tell you with my experience, I can tell you with experience with other believers, when people are using their gift, they usually find it very rewarding compared to doing other things. So you're not expected to love to do it. Some of you wouldn't like to go into Bridge Kids and help out at all. It's okay if you're not gifted in that area. We would like to have people who are gifted in that area and love to be with kids. The same is true with students. If you don't want to be with students, probably not going to put you there. And um, so pay attention to your desire for service. Some of you just love to meet people, and you make, you make great greeters, you know? Pay attention to your desire for service. Um, next, learn from the affirmation of others. You can ask other people what they think, especially people that know you well maybe somebody further along in their walk with Christ than you, and you can ask them uh, what they think your spiritual gifts might be. Uh, be. Next one, be open to evaluation from others. I just left out number, the one before that. Look for God to enable you to have success. If you are gifted in the area, if you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, expect God to give you results. 
Um, I found that true with evangelism. I don't think I'm a very good speaker. I can be pretty awkward with the gospel, and I've had God give me results, and it just amazes me, and I love to do it. Um, Most important, be faithful. This is huge. Uh, The Lord God of heaven has invested spiritual gifts into your life. They are to be used. Don't waste them. Be faithful. Keep, uh, next one is, last one is to keep walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit empowered and energized. They are wasted when we are using our own strength. There are many good spiritual gift inventories, and I didn't come prepared with a big list for you today. We have taught shape here before. That's a good inventory. No inventories are perfect. There are so many different views of the gifts, especially when you come to are some of the gifts were today and some of them not. Um, none are perfect. But God has a purpose for your life, and we already know it is to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. God has given you spiritual gifts for you to help that happen. And our job is to be faithful. Um, I was at a leadership conference back in 2002 at Willow Creek Church, and I heard Kirby John Caldwell say these words. He said, there are two great moments in a person's life. The moment you were born and the moment you realize why you were born. Do you know why you were born? I know I was born to serve the church. Why were you born? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for the scriptures, and I thank you, God, that you have given us gifts. We recognize, Lord, that in our world today, um, there is uh, misunderstanding about the gifts, and I don't claim that I have perfect knowledge about spiritual gifts. Some things seem really clear, and that you have given us gifts, and that you have called us to be faithful and to serve. Help us uh, to identify what our gifts are, Help us to um, find areas that we can serve in and even experiment and try different things. And um, Lord, may, may you enable us to build your church. May you enable us to be faithful. May you enable us to help others to find Christ and to help them to grow. Thank you for the privilege to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen.